0: music, give me a chance to come through.
1: And welcome to Paul listening behind the curtain. If I have to tell you what that song was, you don't know anything about music theater, but I know you do. So, you know, that was one of the classic iconic numbers of all time from a chorus line. One of the most iconic and classic. Broadway musicals of all time. And joining me to chat here on Behind the Curtain. Yes. And so I'm so excited when I push away from politics that I do on television and get to talk about Broadway, which we get to do here. Joining me now is I'm going to use the word legend and icon and I don't hope she doesn't fight me on it, but <laughs> Donna McKechnie, who originated that role of Cassie in a chorus line among so many other things, joins me because she's coming to Chicago. We want you to know about it. Donna, I am I'm just overwhelmed that I'm getting to spend some time with you.
0: Thank you. Well, same here. Ditto. Okay, when I say you're a
1: Broadway legend and icon, I mean, you're getting an icon award from uh, Porchlight Music.
0: Good. It's all good. You know, okay. I, I, I identify with all positive things.
1: It, it, it's always good for the little girl from Detroit.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Midwestern girl. Yeah. To ballet class every day after school. Yeah. So, in fact, when you were, and I have to say, I'm going to tell my audience,
1: so you, you are all welcome to come. Well, we don't have that many seats, but but some of you are welcome to come and and watch the Porch Light Music Theater on, a Donna, on a Donna McKechnie on Friday, September 23rd. It's going to be at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. I know, I'm going to be wearing so a bow tie. I know. And I'm going to be dressing up. And I'm not going to lie, Donna, I'm saving the really good questions for that night.
0: Okay, okay, all right. I'll we're save the have- good answers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Because we're going to have our moment on the stage in front of the audience, and we get to go deep and answer, ask all sorts of great questions. Well,
0: first of all, I'm just bursting a little bit. I just have to just say what an honor it is. First of all, this whole process of of meeting you and the Porchlight Theater, you know, to support uh, our regional theaters is the most important thing to me these days because of j- just how essential it is. So I'm, I'm just so thrilled. And excited to be coming to Chicago. Well, I, I'm I'm so happy to hear you say, and I have to say, and I, I don't know that you probably didn't know much about Porchlight,
1: maybe before uh, this all happened. But first of all, I was part of the process of having you know the selection of you as the icon, and and when I re- we have a mutual friend in the form of Harlan Bowl, and and so yeah. when I reached out to reach you, and you said yes uh, that you would come in, I got to tell you, Porchlight and all the key players there, including the artistic director Michael Weber, who you will you will meet, mm-hmm. were absolutely over the moon that you said Aww. yes. And I have always said that Porchlight is probably, I, I hate to say the finest, because I know there's other theater people watching this, they'll get mad at me. So I'm just going to say among uh, the finest, uh, as you say, Midwest musical theater groups yes. ever, there is nothing I have seen there that I don't walk out in my review comment is along the lines of, I thought they couldn't do any better and they just did again.
0: Wow, it's sensational. No, I've, they have a great reputation and I can't wait to meet them all. And, and I, I assume
1: uh, you probably know that. I think it was a season ago they did a chorus line.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, so it's a I, great theater. It, it has a great reputation, and yeah. I, it's such a wonderful to see it uh, going on and on and on with support. And, you know.
1: And what's so wonderful is on February twenty February. My goodness, uh, on September twenty third at the Ritz, you've also agreed to perform a bit. So we're not going to just talk about you and perform. Well, that's for what
0: you. I do. I'm, you know, I just it, you know. I, I love the compliment. I love the honor, but it's part of my, uh, my what I do, what I do for love, you know? Uh,
1: exactly. Yeah, I get the reference. And uh, last year, our icon was Cheetah Rivera. And I'd say, Cheetah, you can't dance on the table. That was for the movie. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she could. She did. And she wanted to. Yeah. Let's talk about you. All right, look, let's talk about a chorus line because there, there's, there's so many people watch the podcast who they don't have to be Broadway aficionados to do this. And and so I don't want to assume that they are. Um, But a chorus line so iconic and people may not realize it actually started with you, Michael Bennett and others kind of hanging around talking about the life of a dancer on Broadway.
0: It was a conversation with Michael and his dancer friends uh, about, you know, he asked questions about what it was like to be a dancer in show business. And he had this very keen idea, but it was an idea and it became a workshop and then a, an off-Broadway show, thanks to the Shakespeare Festival and and our patrons there and uh, and a Broadway show then with Marvin Hamlisch and Ed Kleban, who came in and made it magical lifting it off with all of that great music so i i have to do a a a song from the show that's i i just have to you know the show is um it has a life of its own now this is i don't know how many generations later i'm so proud of it it is played in over 35 countries and about as many languages you know i've done it in four countries Not Not languages. languages. And for you, you just told me that it was the first album. You had, right? As a, as,
1: a, as a kid, 1975, I mean, it was, uh, yes, I, I I was so, I used to listen to it. Literally, those were albums back then. So, I mean, I wore grooves in it. I made my parents listen to it. Um, it was just, you know, I was a little bit too young to go to New York on my own at that time. But, of course, I eventually did. Yeah, um, yes, And, you know, and, and, and Chorus Line played forever. I mean, it was just, I think that was, that's what it said on the outside of the theater. Right now in forever, no, that was Cats, but there was something about forever. Yes,
0: well, <laughs> 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 Well, you, you know, and also because it's not, we thought it was about dancers and nobody had any idea how far reaching that metaphor could be. You know, um, not to, just, you know, people in every walk of life. And as a little boy, you identify, you weren't a dancer, right? Were you?
1: No, no, yeah. I'm not today. So you
0: identified with <laughs> the, the humanity of it, you know, to be that personal and honest. That, that was Michael's whole, whole intention. And
1: and in fact, one of the things we'll talk about on, on Gala night, but chorus line, I'm just going to tease people and tell them this chorus line does not end the way Michael Bennett intended it to end. We'll say that,
0: but it's but so critical. Not always. No, no. Yeah.
1: No. And, and so, well, with regard to your characters, what I'm, what yeah, I'm yeah. And, and there's some reasons for that. And it's because of what you just said that triggered that in me. The notion that so many people relate to Cassie and it's not about Cassie, the dancer. It's about Cassie. Who just needs another break in life. We all need Second that. Chance,
0: yes. And also every character on that stage has a point, a personal point of view that people can relate to. Whatever dilemma or unresolved conflict or what happy, you know, ex- things that are so exciting to them. Uh, I mean, it's just a, you know, people bring out, um, things that, that we had no idea that they could communicate, be communicated, yeah. you
1: know. And, and, and by the way, and I've read your autobiography cover to cover. And one thing interested me, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll bring this up at the gala, but the book opens with the Tony's night. You, of course, won the Tony among other awards for, for your performance and portrayal as Cassie. But I was sort of curious, why did you choose to open the book with that night where basically they call your name and you don't know where you are on the planet at that point?
0: Well, because it's a, it's a, it's one of the highlights of my life. It's like the little girl from the Midwest dreaming about dancing on Broadway. That's all mm-hmm. I ever, I don't know if I got it from the MGM movies or where, but I just, you know, that was. And so I thought because the title, um, my musical comedy life is kind of ironic. And I wanted to start at, at the pinnacle of what everything, everything I've worked for. And then it goes into the journey really of psychologically, physically up and down. And, um and there's a, a, point to the book, if you read it, you know, where uh, I wanted to write it not about me or my personal life as much as I wanted to write the story of someone who was discouraged and had to learn not to abandon herself. And I thought, because of what um, happened to me physically, um, I thought, this is bigger than me. This, if I can cure myself from this, you know, arthritic condition... Um, then, then other people can. But the point of it is that I really had to learn how to respect my feelings and love myself so I could make the right choices and just take care of myself. So that's what I put out. And I, I love even now, all these years later, um, people, you know, have their own connection. They make a connection with it or it helps them. That's the the greatest thing you can do is to influence someone in such a positive way. Yeah. And, and you know, the,
1: and the, the reality of it is when, when that show opened, um, it was so powerful. Well, forget that opening. Let's go back to when it got created. One of the things you write about is that when you first heard the music, and I, I think if I have this right, it was when you heard the music in the mirror, because there are, there are Donna stories in it, but they don't all go to the Cassie character who you play. No, some, no it's some all, went to Maggie. That's yeah. right. That's right. So am I right when you heard when you heard? Um, sorry, at the ballet when you heard at the ballet was that the moment you went, "Oh my goodness, this thing is amazing!"
0: It, it yes, I thought we are now in a. It, it's now art because before it was experimental and we improvised, and then when James Kirkwood came in, a writer. And put yeah. it all together, and with Michael, and um, the music just took us into a whole other hemisphere. And and also the ending, it was so interesting. Michael had a couple different endings, not just with the Cassie character, but with the the the, the line, you know, the kick line at the mm-hmm. end. He had us do a, a finish, and it didn't work, and, and for him and so then he did with the, the kick line where it just fades into which is a very poignant you know wonderful way to end the show yeah. um cassie having getting rejected and then accepted you know went through a whole process um but it was so interesting the the audience because we didn't go out of town with this show as, as w- what they used to do uh so the audiences you know in chicago and baltimore and you know new haven all were such an important part of a developing a new piece. Um, but we didn't have that. We had we were in New York. Um, but the audience told us exactly what they what they needed, and so mm-hmm. did Marsha Mason <laughs> and that, Neil yes. Simon. And Neil Simon and Peter the going, I, "Oh, you can't do that." No, right. And that's like, the story yeah. we're gonna, we're going
1: to tell that story on the on the yeah, gallon okay. night. Uh, because right, who is who is Neil Simon to tell Michael Bennett what to do? And there's an answer to that. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Neil Simon, and and he was he gave us a couple of really good jokes. I think yeah. everybody knows that. That's what we do with each other, you know, we help each other out with shows. And the other thing that really intrigued me as a kid
1: was that I'm not going to say these words even on the podcast, although I know we could. But uh, but the song Dance 10 Looks 3, which has a phrase in there, which as a little kid, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're saying that. And <laughs> I can't think of any other Broadway show. Now, since then, what word isn't in a Broadway musical? But but right. back but back then there was that phrase, you know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, I was like, oh, my God. And I played that song a million times because I
0: went. Well, hey. I did, too. And I was a grown up. <laughs>
1: Were you shocked and Dance 10 Looks 3? And if people don't know what I'm talking about, go listen yeah, to the song. Go I, I was, and that.
0: I loved it. And it was so wonderful because it was that character. Nobody on, else on the line had that. And because she was so cute and and had her cute little ponytails, and, yeah. and she was just adorable. I mean, it, it was just the audience just... Uh, uh, when we did a tour of it, I mean, sometimes people... There'd be a couple of people that got up and left... Really? But then oh, they had to wait in the lobby because their friends didn't want to leave.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> wow. Well, I can. That's and that's why I'm not saying the phrase because there. Are but it's now. It's
0: it's no. Now it's it's, like, it's okay. It, right. It, it's, a, it's it's a choice that they're the right. You know, I I just think it's fabulous.
1: Yeah. It, it, it made such a difference. Uh, and it just changed things. I mean, the, the way we can look at Stephen Sondheim or, or in television, Norman Lear, just the way they change things. Yes. Um, yeah. it, it, I think that that number may have changed things as well. So one of my other favorite musicals of just, even though it's a bit dated now, but how to succeed in business, yeah. Bobby Morse and, and, and Fosse and Gwen Verdon. And I, can you just talk about that for a moment? And I love Robert Morse.
0: I do too. I do too. And, um, I, it was my first Broadway show yeah. as a dancer, and um, I was a little ballet girl, as I said. And I went, that first week, I went, even then, I was I was very young and naive. But I thought, if I learn how to sing and act, then maybe I can have a career that's longer than a dancer's life. Because I didn't know anything about theater, and I had to get a job to show my parents that I could survive in New York. And uh, I went, oh, my God, all of these people in the same room putting telling the story with with music and dance and movement. And then there's Gwen Verdon, this great b- Broadway star, and she is acting as our dance captain
1: right. because
0: she's obviously between shows then, you know, and Bob Fosse, um, just just brilliant. Um, just great and you you said there. no.
1: You said Frank no to Lester, Bob Fosse a couple. You said no to Bob Fosse a couple times in your career. We'll talk about that at the gala. But yeah. nobody says no to Bob Fosse. No,
0: if not, if you want to work with him. <laughs> <But laughs> Except I did, happy luckily. ending to
1: the story. Twenty five years later, yeah. you did work again with Bob yeah, Fosse. forgave me, thanks. How fabulous! And by the way, were your parents imp- when they said, you know, hey, Mom, I'm I'm also with Charles Nelson Reilly and Rudy Valley. and uh, you know, did they kind of go, oh, Donna, you made a good choice?
0: Well, they were happy once I got established. Yeah, they they came to see the show opening night. And that show was so sophisticated uh, Robert Morris coming down like that and, and the set and the design and the the staging um it was just fantastic and I want to pull a surprise
1: yeah
0: um and every- they bring it back
1: I mean listen it's been on Broadway Daniel yeah. Radcliffe I mean they still bring it back are, but I when you hear songs like a secretary is not a toy or something does
0: it does, today does that kind of bother you um no it's, it, it' a secretary is not a toy no,
1: well it okay isn't. <laughs> But they never should have been
0: <laughs> right right, right, uh, and, and I a- think the, there was a there it was a point made, I think there was a a point in the right direction that was made ah. we did a spoof a spoofy dance on the secretary and getting um the choreography is was yeah the flirtation and the choreography and everything and what was going on in the office behavior, but it was done as a spoof, and um so it wasn't you know. I think a point was made, a softer
1: point. Sure enough. And by the way, just the song, I Believe in You, which is when Robert Morris, just I fell in love with the guy. Yeah. Uh, What a magnificent number that you can do on any stage today because the message is so powerful.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, You have something else in your background. Again, we probably won't be able to talk about it the gala so we get to here because and for a lot of. A lot of folks who are watching or listening to us right now. (laughs) This is, this is one of those iconic things, but you were in dark shadows. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. I, I love it. It was like what? It was the late sixties that you did it.
0: Yeah. Just before, um, promises, promises. Yeah. So that's a daily. I remember as a kid. No, it was just before company. Yeah. Um, yes. And and that was uh, seven. Yeah. It was a, a fantastic job, but it was hard. But, you know, I was in my 20s. So I because I would do a show at night and then I would get the sides. And then the next morning I would be up early and 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 uh, rehearsal, reading and then shoot it and then go home, take a nap, have a sandwich, go to work. <laughs> so it was thrilling. Uh It was just a thrilling. I, yeah. But I had no idea how popular I was only hired to do like one one show. And. Because, um, all the little girls that watched it after school, you know, yeah. um, they loved my, the leading man. And so they wanted to do more scenes. They were writing in about him. They, uh, they loved him. And you had a
1: dual and, character.
0: Yes. Amanda Harris and Olivia. What was her right.
1: name? Um, oh, God, I'm drawing a blank on the last name, it? but I'll, but I, I'll have it for you at the gallery. Olivia, show. yeah. Amanda, um, and you know when when I remember Dark Shadows again as a kid, um, it was it was a maybe you, it was fifteen minutes. That's how long it was on, on a daily basis. And then Is that it went, all it was fifteen minutes, and then it went to thirty. Okay. And ultimately, it became an hour long soap opera. Uh, in the by the time you were doing it, it was probably thirty, right? I think it
0: was thirty, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it started fifteen minutes was all it was wow. on a daily basis, and so I got to ask you about Jonathan Frid. I got to spend one evening with him, uh, gone now. But did he scare you? Did you think he was really a vampire? Oh, he was a
0: see- sweetheart. No, he was a sweetheart. He was a good actor, and uh, he had a marvelous career with that, you know. And then they, after the show was off the air. Um, they had these conventions every year. They still do. And I was able to go to one in Brooklyn and, um and they have them on the West coast as well. And they were fantastic fans and they would bring their children and grandchildren, you know, and we'd all be there, you know, selling our books or whatever, or signing autographs. And it was a, just a, a warm feeling. Everybody in that show had a, had a warm connection because the work was so hard. It was like live TV. I mean, it, It was just like you'd hit one scene, you know, one, one stage and then the cameras would roll to the next one as soon as the last line was said. So you'd had to get out of the way of the cables and every jumping over cables. It was
1: wild. I have the entire series on DVD and it, it's sold in a coffin. I, it's a, it's a coffin that you buy it in <laughs> with, I have a signed card by Jonathan Frid. but I spent, he was in Chicago for Arsenic and Old Lace along with Larry Storch and Marion Ross and Gene Stapleton. Wow. And, uh, unbelievable. Right. And so I was at the cast party with them afterwards. And, and, um, Let's just say Jonathan, among others, Gary Sandy, whatever, just had some to drink. And so at one o'clock in the morning, Jonathan Frid and I are in the street. He's trying to call a cab and he's screaming a cab. And it's he's obviously he's a bit. It's all right. I can say this now. He's a bit drunk. But I thought, oh, my God, Barnabas is fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's a sweetheart. Yeah.
1: You uh, truly was. It was a, such a loss. And by the way, I collect a lot of movie and Broadway props, and I actually have one of the gold hats from the end scene of a chorus line. Wow! Um, it's from the film version. It's not from Broadway. Okay. It's from the film. And we're, we're talking about whether I'm going to bring it with me to the gala that night. It's in a frame and all that kind of thing. But um, I thought you might get a kick out of <laughs> uh, out Well, of it's not that.
0: champagne. It's gold. See? Yeah. Well, the yes, our so costumes were champagne. Uh, the, you know that's right. I, I'm that's trying not, right. not to be competitive with the movie. <laughs> I do like the champagne color. I would do you have the
1: hat? I'll take it. I'll put them next to each I other. I
0: don't have it. It's this <laughs> in the Smithsonian, I think.
1: <laughs> as well as it's along
0: with my finale costume. I love it. So as you look back
1: uh, on your career, I mean it's not over. You're you're still doing things and yeah. but you became a choreographer. And again, I'm trying to avoid questions. We're gonna talk about it at the gala on Friday, uh September 23rd. But it begins at 5.30, by the way, at the Ritz-Carlton with a little reception and all of that. But um, yeah do you, is there part of your life, the acting, the dancing, This you, you know, you, you were born to be the dancer, but you did become a triple threat.
0: How do when you, I learned, Donna I had to study. I became a professional student and I, and I, and I, cause I love theater so much and you have to really know what you're doing. And especially now, everybody is a triple threat now, you know, everybody. And, um, I, I love when I, when I do plays, uh, I love that, but then I, if, I miss music, you know, and then when I'm doing a musical, because all the music at the, at the, at the peak of the scene usually it goes into a musical number. Right. And then you want to act those moments too. So I don't know. I, I just, I love to work. I I have a, a Sondheim sh- show. Yeah. yeah. I just did it uh, in New York and I'm taking it all around now. And I'm, I'm loving it because I did. Well, you were in company, so that's. Yes. Yes. in forum and um yes, that's right well the first national tour Wait, So, which and how is, was so, in chicago that was the last time was, was he you know you hear different things about
1: sondheim i only met him once but um you know that he was difficult whatever and in fact um Ansel, uh Ansel Elgort, uh, who's in the West Side Story movie, he tells a story of when he saw Sondheim in an elevator after he had heard him sing, and and on the way down the elevator, uh, Ansel says, "Oh my God, Mr. Sondheim, I, you know, it's such an honor to sing with you." And and Sondheim gave him advice and said, "You you need to do this whenever." And then on the way out of the elevator, Ansel said, "Mr. Sondheim, you know, so nice to meet you again." I can't say what Stephen said because it would be a bad word, but he said just listen to what i told you Um, uh, which freaked wow. out yeah so i'm sort of curious so was he what was what was sondheim like to work with
0: well it sounds like he really liked this guy's talent and wanted to help him that's what it's right. like.
1: and but the guy yeah. was so into oh my god you're steven sondheim that i think sondheim was like get over it
0: maybe so because he was shy i think uh. He was shy and he was deeply feeling. You, you, I mean, you don't even have to know him to know that because you just, you know, read his lyrics. Um, uh, he, he was just a very sensitive, shy fellow when I first met him. And I, every, and that's the thing. I mean, I think it had to be hard for him at times because people who knew him and worked with him, um, would always, I would be always shy around him. I didn't want to offend him. Anybody that you revere that much, you kind of put on a pedestal. And maybe he wanted people not, to, you know, he wanted to feel more comfortable around people and, uh, that he worked with. And That's so I had, I had to learn to be more real about things, about myself and, and respect him. But, um, but he's approachable, but people are just, you know, they're so, a respect too respectful, maybe. You know, I, you make
1: such a good point because I just interviewed the cast here of Devil Wears Prada with Elton John, so when they all talk about working with Elton John, there is this sense of Oh, my God. I mean, I just, you know, I, I can't, even though I'm a Broadway person, but I can't function with this guy in the room because they didn't say that, but my words, but because they're just, they're in overwhelm. And I imagine to perform and know that Stephen Sondheim is watching you, re- whether it's rehearsed or watching you perform. Yeah, I'd probably freak out, too.
0: But he's very, very generous. When I did Follies in a, a paper mill playhouse in New Jersey, um, he had each of us come in the room and do the number so he could help us if if we were on the wrong track and we were all very nervous to sing for him and he went out of his way because he knows that and so he goes out of his way to reassure he was very reassuring and he said look just breathe you know uh, this is a hard number so just don't worry and his reassuring me gave me the confidence to not you know to get off my own and that was my and, problem, you know, that you know, I had to kind of come to terms with
1: it. The, the time that I met him, I, I had a, a certain piece of paper in my hand and I, I said, hi to him, whatever. And he he knew I was going to ask him to sign it. And so he said, you know, I, I really don't want to sign anything right now. And I went, OK, I said, but let me tell you what this is <laughs> um, in your show Bounce. Which I was the only one to see. Uh, it became road trip or something, but you know, yeah. didn't do. Yeah, but in Chicago with Richard Kind and what it was called, Bounce. And I said, "There's a scene where these stock certificates fly up in the air, and I was front row center, and this one landed in my lap." And he said, "That I will sign."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, see how adorable he is. He
1: was, and I always heard great things. We probably have a good mutual friend in Greg Edelman.
0: Yes, uh, yes. Greg and I went
1: to school together and, and performed together and all of that. But, you know, he was just... He had... Uh, loved Sondheim. And and I yeah. think it just depended on what kind of relationship you had uh, and how many roles. I mean, Steve, uh, Greg was in Passion and so many different things. Yes. That probably defined the kind of way he would interact with you.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I just loved him. Anybody who worked with him d- fell in love with him, you know, because he had... Because I learned a lot from him. I learned yeah. that it's all... Well, even how Prince or Michael it's all about the work the, the the need to be to keep working and finding the right you know it, it's never going to be perfect whatever that means but but to keep making the effort the art is in that effort and um the the how and how he worked how he thought and uh, would come in with changes and i mean i it was just i just loved him anybody who really worked with him on something like i think yeah. had to he was very kind um yeah.
1: just a, a choreographer question for you. And, and we'll wrap in just a moment. I still want to let you go. Um, but um, so of course, Michael Bennett, we're going to talk about him that night because people should know they might not. You were married to Michael Bennett. Um, yeah. And I think in many ways, he was also an actor's choreographer because he had been an actor. So he understood that as well. Fair enough.
0: Uh well, yes, yes. It was all about, well, he, you know, he idolized Jerome Robbins. That was his, in his mentor, his in his mind. And, um, and he, it was all about character driven and yeah. storytelling. And um, like most choreographers are, know that, you know, but Michael clearly had instinctive ability. Um And his always, in every show I did with him, it was always searching for the truth, even at his own expense. Um Even then he would find out that he can't be that realistic or that truthful. He has to, you know, lift it off the stage two inches because yeah. it is a heightened reality and we have to lift people up. Um, but he was always searching for the truth of things of the moment, especially.
1: Um, so I wanted to take that and then talk about Donna McKechnie, the choreographer. Are you the dancers choreographer?
0: Well, I don't, you know, I don't see, I don't seem, I mean, I love to choreograph when I give, when I'm given the opportunity to the, for the right thing, but I don't pursue it. Um, because I'm more, because everything starts with acting for me. And if it's, if it's the right fit, (laughs) I will do it, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. and I love it. I enjoy it, but it's, it's more, yeah, I don't, I don't pursue it. When I do my own shows, I choreograph the characters. It's all characterization.
1: Um. Well, and right. And I believe Michael gave you a lot of freedom with regard to Cassie in terms of. Oh yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I would say, what do you want? What? I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? He goes, just make it up. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, he was um, he was wonderful. He but he believed in that collaboration with everybody he worked with. That that whole company, everybody that all the designers, every it was all about collaboration. Yeah. And he spoiled me in many ways for other choreographers because I would just start finishing sentences if someone started a step, I would just right, be right there adding something and they go, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm just, Oh, never mind. Um, you know, and not everybody works that way, but Michael encouraged people to bring, you know, he just had a lot of love and respect for everyone's talent. So
1: if another little girl is, is sitting in Detroit these days or Chicago or wherever, but if they're sitting there and they're saying, you know, I want to be Donna McKechnie, um,
0: can they yeah uh, you have a lot of got a i would lot of i would encourage them to be themselves you know be the original you uh, what we do we we i mean it's so wonderful that i can have any positive influence on anyone you know i mean that's a wonderful thing um but we learn from others we we watch the contours of someone's career and we can learn from it Or we see how they approach something or how they work. And we can, you know, maybe copy that a little bit or learn from it. But you want to be your own original. You want to be yourself. You want to find your voice and your way of doing things and seeing things. And that's what all these great people I've had the great good fortune to work with. Sondheim, he wrote those songs so that actor-singers could bring it to life. There was no yeah. one way of doing it, you know, if as long as you got his intention and, you know, you I mean, so that that's I learned that a lot from him.
1: And I, I don't know if it was in Side by Side by Sondheim or what it was, but there's this, one of these review type shows where they where they run him right on various cubes and stuff. And you see him talking and there's one where he talks about the relationship with his mother uh, and, mm-hmm. and how difficult that was and how, you know, I mean, the way she treated him, nobody child should be treated, Mm. but they go from that, as you know, in the review to sing Children Will Listen. And it always just strikes me that if we knew the backstory um, to so many of the songs that these great people have written, there's so much richness there that we learn if we really knew what was behind it.
0: And that's such a personal expression from him, but everyone has their own version of it, you know?
1: There's a new show here about Lerner and Lowe that's actually using their music but it's the story, I think, of Fred Lowe. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it's, again, it's the backstory of how all these songs then eventually came out. That's the only genre we could do. Just these stories that look at these master, uh, creators of, of, of beautiful music and understand their lives to understand yeah. what's really going, really going on behind them. Well, Don McKenny, I can't tell you how exciting it is that you are coming, uh, to it's the Rich Carlton Theater. Ball. On Friday, September 23rd, it starts at 5.30 p.m. I'll be all dressed up for you. I won't be casual like this. Um,
0: (laughs) Well, you look great. So, I mean, I'll be dressed up too. Uh, Well, you're already
1: dressed up. You look beautiful now. But uh, people can get tickets at porchlightmusictheater.org. And I know you're as happy as I am that they spell theater the British way, T-R-E at the end. Oh, yes. Got to do it that way. Uh Uh, But talk about somebody who is just an icon in theater. We're so fortunate that you said yes. Oh, thank
0: uh, you, Paul. My pleasure. We are going to
1: see you soon. I look forward to having uh, some dinner with you and and drinking and And asking you a whole bunch of questions that I have not asked you in front of that audience. Thank you. Oh, I love pleasure. you. pleasure.
0: Lots of love.
1: We Bye. will see you on. I will see you on September twenty third, okay. Donna McKechnie. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, if you want to know more about what we've talked about here, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Paul Lisnek. That's P A U L L I S N E K. And I'd love to hear your comments or topic suggestions for future podcasts. You can also go to my website paullisnick.tv. And hey, don't forget to hit subscribe on WGN Plus and iTunes and tune in each week to hear more insider scoop coming to you from behind the curtain.